happened because of what you're doing through our ministry together. We thank you. We praise you for that. And Father, we just ask that this morning you would open the scripture to us, help us to understand the significance of this triumphal entry, this, this time when Jesus rode into Jerusalem and help your servant to get out of the way and, and to allow you to, to share your truth. We pray this in Christ's name. Amen. So we'll be looking at John chapter 12. Uh, but before we turn there to the scripture, I'd like to just point out a few things. Jesus was getting very popular around this time. He was popular among the crowds in Israel. And why not? He healed the blind, the sick, the lepers. Everywhere he went, he cast out demons. He fed 5,000 one time and 4,000 another time. And when he taught, he taught with authority and wisdom. And they said, wow, he, the Pharisees don't teach like him. The other religious rulers don't teach like him. And then he brought a dead man back to life. Amazing things that Jesus did. The people were just awestruck. Who can do such things? You know, we, we know the prophets, we know miracles happened in the Old Testament, but it seemed like with Jesus, many things were happening all at one time. And while the people cheered and hoped and even started believing that this could be the Messiah, the religious leaders groaned and they worried. The Pharisees conspired on how to stop him. How do we stop this, this Jesus? He's becoming more and more popular. He's being recognized by the people, and it's taking our power away. So, <clears throat> just looking back at uh, John 11, Lazarus dies. He's in the tomb for four days. Jesus raises him from the dead, and this miracle went viral, as we'd say today. Everyone knew about it. Everyone was talking about it. And just before Jesus did this, he, he was talking with Martha, and he said, your brother will rise again. And Martha said, I know he'll rise again in the resurrection on the last day. And Jesus said to her, I am the resurrection and the life. Whoever believes in me, though he die, yet shall he live. And then he proved that he's a resurrection by raising Lazarus from the dead. And the chief priests and the Pharisees hated him even more for this. But some, John eleven forty five. but some of them went to the Pharisees and told them what Jesus had done. So I don't know why people did this, but they saw this miracle and they went and told on him to the Pharisees. And so the chief priests and the Pharisees gathered the council and said, what are we to do? For this man performs many signs. If we let him go on like this, everyone will believe in him. And I'm thinking, why don't you believe in him if he's performing these signs? But they said, and the Romans will come and take away both our place and our nation. So they were worried about their own their own situation. 
and they enjoyed a place of power and authority. They were sort of the religious swamp of those days, and they had this control. So from that day on, they, the religious leaders, made plans to put him to death. Unbelievable. They're supposed to be God's uh, messengers on earth, and they want to put this Messiah to death. So what is happening just before the triumphal entry is the Passover feast. People are planning for it, preparing for it. Now the Passover of, Passover of the Jews was at hand, and many went up from the country to Jerusalem before the Passover to purify themselves. So the chief priests and the Pharisees had given orders that if anyone knew where Jesus was, he should let them know so that he might arrest him. So they, they were making plans to arrest Jesus for all that he had done. And um, John chapter 12 starts out with Mary anointing the feet of Jesus with an expensive ointment. Of course, Judas complains about the wastefulness that this ointment was worth a year's wages should be used for the poor. But his motives were bad. His greed was disguised by this false piety. He was a thief, it tells us. And then John 12, 9. When the large crowd of the Jews learned that Jesus was there, they came not only on account of him, but also to see Lazarus, whom he had raised from the dead. So Jesus, his fame is spreading, but this thing that he did raising Lazarus from the dead, it created a buzz, and people wanted to see this Lazarus. So the chief priests made plans to put Lazarus to death as well. Because on account of him, many of the Jews were going away and believing in Jesus. So the triumphal entry is recorded in all four Gospels. You know, not everything is recorded in all four Gospels, but this was a significant event. And, and Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John all wrote about it. We're looking at John. And we'll go ahead and just read the scripture here. The next day, a large crowd had come to the feast, and they heard that Jesus was coming to Jerusalem. So they took branches of palm trees, and they went out to meet him, crying, Hosanna, blessed is he who comes in the name of the Lord, even the king of Israel. And Jesus found a young donkey and sat on it, just as it is written, Fear not, daughter of Zion. Behold, your king is coming, sitting on a donkey's colt. His disciples did not understand these things at first, but when Jesus was glorified, then they remembered these things had been written about him and had been done to him. The crowd that had been with him when he called Lazarus uh, <clears throat> out of the tomb and raised him from the dead continued to bear witness. The reason why the crowd met with him was that they heard that he had done this sign. So Jesus arrives on a donkey, on the colt of a donkey. Why a donkey? Why not a, a big white stallion? 
Well, a donkey was a symbol of peace. If a king rode into a city on a donkey, it meant he was arriving in peace. So that was one reason. The other is to fulfill Old Testament prophecy. Zechariah 9.9, it said, Rejoice greatly, O daughter of Zion. Shout aloud, O daughter of Jerusalem. Behold, your king is coming to you, righteous and having salvation is he, humble and mounted on a donkey, on a colt, the foal of a donkey. So Jesus is coming, and as he's coming in on a donkey, the people are saying, Hosanna, Hosanna, which literally means, oh, save. It's, it's a way of praising, but it, it's, it's also a way of saying, you are able to save. Uh, you are the one who saves. So save us. Oh, save us, O king. And then the next thing they say is, blessed is he who comes in the name of the Lord, even the king of Israel. Blessed is he who comes in the name of the Lord, a declaration of praise to the coming king. They're also recognizing him as the Messiah. Psalm 118 says, blessed is he who comes in the name of the Lord. From the house of the Lord, we bless you. So again, they're fulfilling Old Testament prophecy and saying the right thing as Jesus comes into town on this donkey. Well, what is their perspective? They're, They're saying the right thing, but what is the people's perspective? Jesus, son of David, save us probably from the rule of the Roman Empire. Save us because we're oppressed. We have this political entity that's over us. Restore Israel to its former glory. You're the son of David. Things were good under David. Things were good under his son Solomon. Things weren't so good during the time that Jesus came. Uh, The people felt oppressed. Save us. Bless us. Feed us. You're the king who can do these things. We see the miracles. You you can heal people. You can meet our needs. And that's what they called for. The people recognized the right person. They said some of the right things, but their perspective was their perspective. It wasn't necessarily Jesus' perspective. Well, what was the religious leader's perspective? The people are following after this Jesus. We have to stop him somehow. This Jesus is a threat to our way of life. Uh, We need to kill Lazarus too. We have a good thing going with this situation under the Roman Empire, and we need to keep that. And as they said in John eleven forty eight, if we let him go on like this, everyone will believe in him and the Romans will come and take away both our place and our nation. So they had a perspective, self-protection, survival. <clears throat> what about the Gentiles' perspective? We actually didn't read that, but Gentiles showed up and they wanted to see Jesus. Now among those who went up, to worship were at the feast were some Greeks. 
So these Greeks came to Philip, who was from Bethsaida in Galilee, and asked him, Sir, we wish to see Jesus. Now, Philip is a, a Greek name. So maybe that's why they approached him. And then Philip went and told Andrew, and Andrew and Philip went and told Jesus. And when they told Jesus that these Greeks are here, these Gentiles are here to see you, he doesn't immediately respond to that, but he says, my hour has come. So the Gentiles' perspective was they followed Judaism, they were seeking after Jesus. They were there at the feast. They were going to participate in the Passover. But uh, they didn't know exactly who Jesus was, but they had heard about him. So when Jesus heard this, you know, uh, if, if you read this account in, in Mark, what's interesting about what happens after Jesus rides into Jerusalem and they, they say, uh, Hosanna, Blessed is he who comes in the name of the Lord. Jesus goes from the triumphal entry to the temple. And Jesus went into the temple and began to drive out those who bought and sold in the temple and overturned the tables of the money changers and the seats of those who sold doves. And Jesus said, Is it not written, My house shall be called a house of prayer for all nations, but you have made it a den of thieves? Perhaps the reason Jesus was so angry about what was going on in the temple was because it was going on in the court of the Gentiles. And that was the place where the Gentiles from all nations were to come and have access to the God of Israel and worship. Yet all these, the the money changers and all this business activity was happening in the court of the Gentiles. The important perspective was the Lord's perspective. And fortunately for us, it's, it's written here. Jesus says, this is my time. This is my time to fulfill my role on earth. I will now be sacrificed for the sins of the world. My time has come. This was his response when they said, hey, some Greeks had shown up. Jesus allowed the people to receive him as Messiah and King And he must have known this would provoke the Pharisees. You know, before this time, Jesus would not allow himself to be recognized. He he sort of, he would hide himself. He would, he would avoid any kind of public recognition, but not today. Not when he rode in on the donkey. This was the time when he would let the people cry out to him. And, and, he knew that the Pharisees would be provoked even more. And Jesus answered them and said, The hour has come for the Son of Man to be glorified. I will be glorified. And he says this, Truly, truly, I say to you, unless a grain of wheat falls to the earth and dies, it remains alone. But if it dies, it bears much fruit. Whoever loves his life loses it, and whoever hates his life in this world will keep it for eternal life. Jesus says that he is like a seed that must die so it can, he can bear much fruit. And Jesus is an example of one who did not love his own life on earth, but gave it for us. 
And he goes on to say, if anyone serves me, he must follow me. And where I am, there my servant will be also. If anyone serves me, the Father will honor him. So Jesus invites us to serve him, to follow him, and he gives us two promises. He will be with us and that God the Father will honor us. It, it reminds me of the verse, John fifteen five. I am the vine, you are the branches. He who abides in me and I in him, the same brings forth much fruit. For apart from me, you can do, you can do nothing. And so he's, he goes on to say, Now is my soul troubled, and what shall I say? Father, save me from this hour. But for this purpose, I have come to this hour. Father, glorify your name. Then a voice came from heaven saying, I have glorified it and I will glorify it again. So even though the, the people were crying out that he's the king and welcoming, welcoming him in, he's telling them, I have a slightly different agenda than you have for me. And the crowd stood there, and they, when they heard this, the, the, the voice of God, it sounded like thunder to them. And they said, an angel has spoken to him. And Jesus answered and said, this voice has come for your sake, not mine. Now is the judgment of this world. Now will the ruler of this world be cast out. And I, when I am lifted up from the earth, will draw all people to myself. So he said this to show by what kind of death that he was going to die, a death on a cross. Jesus knew he'd be crucified. He knew that he would be nailed to a cross, suspended between heaven and earth, and die for the sins of the people. He's the Lamb of God who takes away the sins of the world. Now, the people, they didn't like what he had to say. So the crowd answered him and they said, we've heard from the law that the Christ remains forever. How can you say that the Son of Man must be lifted up? Who is the Son of Man? You know, they're not looking for a Savior in the way Jesus wants to be the Savior. They're looking for a political Savior. And Jesus is about to save us from the most important problem we have, and that's our sin which blocks us from a proper relationship with our God in heaven. And they're not quite getting that. You know who else didn't totally get what was going on? Is his disciples. When I read things like this, it gives me encouragement as a believer, because I don't always get it. But his disciples did not understand these things at first. But when Jesus was glorified, then they remembered that these things were written about him and that he had done these things. They had done these things to him. So, you know, they're watching the scene. They had a perspective and it was like, we're not sure what Jesus is doing right now. So Jesus rides into Jerusalem as the Prince of Peace and the King of Heaven. And the crowd says the right things. They receive him as the king. But their heart was, was not with him in terms of what he was about to do. 
Jesus said in John 6, 38, I have come down from heaven not to do my own will, but the will of him who sent me. The crowd had an agenda for Jesus on Palm Sunday, but the people's agenda did not alter the will of God. So how do we apply this? What is the church's agenda for Jesus? You know, we come and and we worship and we say the right things, but what is our agenda? What do we want from God? We have programs, policies, projects. Kevin DeYoung says that we, speaking about the church, we are collaborators with God in the Missio Dei, the mission of God. We are cooperators, co-operators, in the redemption and the renewal of all things. God's plan is to renew the world. To, bring, to renew the relationships that were broken in the garden. And, that's, and he's working out his plan. And that day, when Jesus rode into Jerusalem, he was following God's plan, which he knew led to the cross. Um, the people wanted him to go to a physical throne right there and be the king of Israel. What about us? What is my agenda? What is your agenda for Jesus? You might think, well, if I, like what was mentioned here by the worship team, if, if I follow Jesus, you know, it might cost me something. It could cost me my job. Can I give it all up and follow Jesus? It might cost me my livelihood, my reputation. I actually know somebody from Northern California, lost their job for sharing the gospel with a co-worker. And he felt comfortable because that co-worker, he, he met him at a uh, Promise Keepers meeting and and, uh, and he shared the gospel and it, it cost him a, a pretty good paying job with a company. If I follow Jesus, he might ask me to tell others about him. That's uncomfortable for some. He might send me to Africa. (laughs) I don't want to go to Africa. What is your agenda for Jesus? Because it's better to be in the will of God than to expect God to follow our agenda. He's not going to follow our agenda. God will give us the desires of our hearts when our hearts align with him. Um, So all, all this is from God through whom Christ reconciled to himself and gave us the ministry of reconciliation from 2 Corinthians 5. It says, Therefore we are ambassadors for Christ. God making his appeal through us, we implore you on behalf of Christ, be reconciled to God. God is reconciling the world to himself. And for whatever reason, He's using you and me. If you've placed your faith in Jesus Christ, then you have become an ambassador, a minister of reconciliation. The people in your neighborhood, the people where you work, the people in your, your traffic patterns of life, you are the gospel, the, the ambassador of heaven 
to them. So what is your agenda for Jesus? Or maybe a better question is, what is Jesus's agenda, and how can we be part of what he is doing? And that's, that's what we want to do. I mean, the crowd wasn't doing that uh, during the triumphal entry. Are you willing to serve him and follow him? Are you willing to say, not my will, but yours be done, Jesus? Because that's what Jesus said, not my will, but yours be done. You know, my father, what he wants me to do, that's the thing that I will be doing. We are often like the disciples. We don't always know what God is up to, what Jesus is doing, but we can trust him. We certainly don't want to be like the crowds that, uh, you know, you know, save us, bless us, help us according to what we want. Um, we definitely don't want to be like the Pharisees. The Pharisees were wanting to protect their position as religious leaders. We might want to be a little bit like the Greeks. At least they were seeking Jesus. Where is this Jesus? We want to meet him. Jesus' agenda is better than our own agenda. And my encouragement to you, I mean, what I want to do is seek him and follow him to be truly his ambassador, an ambassador of heaven. There are a lot of churches out there a lot of pastors that are saying, you know, if, if you pray the right prayers, you say the right things, God is going to bless you and give you these things. And it, it's, not, it's not true. It's, it's not right. But what, what we want to be doing is understanding and discovering what Christ's agenda is in our life and how we can serve him. Let's pray. Father, we thank you for your word. We thank you for this event where your son rides into Jerusalem and many of the right things are said to him and about him. Yet many hearts had their own agenda and were far from your agenda. We thank you that you sent Jesus to be the Redeemer, the Savior, to be the, the one who takes away the sins of the world. And, and we should rightly sing out, Hosanna, blessed is he who comes in the name of the Lord, the King of kings. Father, we pray that in each one of our lives, in our hearts, you would be the King that we would yield everything to you and follow you as your ambassadors, as citizens of heaven, with an ear to, to hear what, what your marching orders are, the things that you want us to do. I thank you for the ministry of this church right here in Tehama County in Red Bluff, and I pray you would continue to bless this church, its leadership, Bless Nate and continue to work through this church to redeem people right here in Red Bluff. 
I pray you would continue to use us, our partnership in the gospel, to redeem the nations that are in Malaysia. And we give you all the glory for the fruit that you bear through our lives. We pray this in Christ's name. Amen. Anyway, let's just, uh, let's just stand and pray for him now and the ministry he has and the blessing we can have to him and just say, Father God, I just want to lift Russ and Charlotte and the family up before you now and that you would give them the wisdom to understand your agenda, your goal, and that they would follow it and that we would, we would be right next to him, Lord. And we do pray, Lord, that as we look to, to minister to the ones that you love here in this town, that we would see how you'd want us to do it. We'd follow your ways. But God, we do just ask for your, your blessing upon uh, the Weisner family and uh, the ministry they have in Malaysia and, and in other places, God. You would bless them, encourage them, and that you would show us how, Lord, how to be a part of that. I pray this in Jesus' name.